Jax versus Brossett, 2024, ARC App 6. The Arkansas Court of Appeals affirmed a trial court's summary judgment order, which disinherited under the interorum clause because of challenges to the trustee's actions with requests for reappointment of another now and as needed in the future. The majority and dissent were divided over application of the interorum clause. Judge Thayer concluded its application was proper and wrote, quote, The trust instrument provided that all checking accounts owned by either Havis or the trust were to be distributed to Sandra. The remaining property in the trust, including certain real property, was to be distributed to Ashley. The trust instrument also created a subtrust in the event any distribution was designated for the benefit of his minor grandchildren, Paris and Bailey. It is undisputed that this subtrust was funded by two IRA accounts managed by Edward Jones. The trust designated Sandra as trustee for the main trust and designated Iberia Bank as the successor trustee in the event Sandra was unable or unwilling to serve. The trust also designated the bank as trustee of the subtrust. Rather than naming a specific successor trustee for the subtrust, the trust provided that if for some reason Iberia Bank was unable or unwilling to serve as trustee, Sandra in her individual capacity had the power to appoint, in assigned writing, one or more successor trustees. In no event, however, could Ashley serve as trustee of either the main trust or the subtrust. The trust also set forth a specific procedure for the removal of a trustee. It provides, in pertinent part, that any trustee other than those specifically identified by Havis, Sandra as trustee of the main trust and Iberia Bank as sub-trustee of the subtrust, could be removed by written notice signed by all of the current beneficiaries of the trust. It also provided that if any trustee designation failed, the individuals who at such time could remove such trustee would have the power to appoint and or nominate the successor or successors by assigned written notice delivered to the current beneficiaries of the trust. End of quote. Ashley filed a lawsuit bringing before the trial court the question of whether she violated the will's provisions and brought into focus the interorum clause, which the opinion noted was fairly broad. The trial court ruled that Ashley violated the clause and the Court of Appeals agreed, setting out the various claims of the litigants over the clause. Quote, On February 21, 2017, Ashley, both individually and on behalf of her children, filed a petition to remove Sandra as trustee. Importantly, she sued Sandra not only as trustee of the separate subtrust established for her children, but also individually in her capacity as executrix of Havis's will, and as trustee of the main trust. In this petition, Ashley alleged that Sandra, as trustee of the main trust, had failed to pay the 2015 real estate taxes, and Sandra, as executrix of Havis's will, had failed to timely open a probate of the estate. She further asserted that Bruce Aston, a longtime family friend, had agreed to act as trustee of the subtrust, but that Sandra had refused to appoint him, instead opting to appoint herself. Notably, in this initial petition, 
Ashley did not allege any specific facts indicating that Sandra had actually mismanaged the funds, nor did she ask the court for an order construing the terms of the trust or Sandra's power and authority under it. She asked only for Sandra's removal. And rather than follow the specific procedure outlined in the trust for removal of a trustee, Ashley claimed she was authorized to remove Sandra pursuant to subdivisions B3 and B4 of Arkansas Code Annotated Section 2873706B. Not only did she seek removal of Sandra as trustee of the subtrust, but she also requested removal of Sandra as trustee over the main trust, an action not authorized by the trust. She also sought the appointment of Bruce Aston or another suitable trustee as successor trustee in Sandra's place. Most importantly, she then requested the authority to appoint all future successor trustees. In May 2017, Sandra filed a counterclaim alleging that Ashley had become an adverse party and had questioned Sandra's intent and discretion as trustee in violation of the interorum clauses of the will and the trust. Sandra claimed that by doing so, Ashley had forfeited not only her interest under the will and trust, but also her children's interest in the subtrust. Therefore, she asked the court to order Ashley to return any items of personal property received pursuant to the will and trust and to relinquish the proceeds from the sale of any real and personal property received under the will and trust. End of quote. Ashley amended her complaint several times. Sandra argued in her summary judgment motion that the interorum clause was triggered by several events. Quote, One, when she filed her first pleading asking that the court grant her the authority to appoint a successor trustee in direct conflict with paragraph 1st, subsection E of the trust, which gave Sandra the authority to appoint one or more successor trustees for the subtrust. Two, by directly contesting Sandra's discretion by asserting she had delegated her investment and management duties to an Edward Jones financial advisor. And three, by failing to prudently invest and administer the trust and subtrust. Moreover, Sandra claimed that the interorum clauses were triggered after Ashley had filed suit against Sandra and became an adverse party in a judicial proceeding that challenged more than one provision of the trust. End of quote. The trial court granted summary judgment against Ashley and denied her petition for removal. The question on appeal was whether Ashley's actions brought into play the interorum clause, forfeiting her inheritance claim, and the Court of Appeals concluded in the affirmative. Quote, We agree with the circuit court that, at a minimum, Ashley violated the interorum clauses of the will and trust in four respects. We find that Ashley triggered the forfeiture clauses one, by seeking Sanders' removal as trustee of the subtrust without adhering to the removal provisions of the trust. Two, by attempting to divest Sandra of authority expressly granted to her by the trust. Three, by requesting Sanders' withdrawal as trustee of the main trust in violation of the trust provisions. And four, by demanding that Sandra, as trustee, provide an accounting despite trust provisions releasing the trustee of such obligations. End of quote. 
Addressing each in seriatim, the majority opinion stated, quote, First, Ashley triggered the interorum clauses by failing to abide by the trust's removal provisions. The trust in this case allows for the removal of the trustee of the subtrust by delivery of written notice signed by all the current beneficiaries. Rather than following the specific removal provisions, Ashley chose to file a judicial action for Sanders' removal instead. Second, Ashley triggered the interorum clauses by asking the court to divest Sandra of authority expressly granted to her under the trust, the appointment of all future trustees of the subtrust, and to have the court confer such authority on someone else instead. The trust did not, however, give them the authority to appoint all future trustees. Yet Ashley asked the court to do just that. Third, as with her attempt to remove Sandra as trustee of the subtrust, Ashley's request to remove Sandra as trustee of the main trust also triggered the interorum clauses. Another violation occurred when Ashley sought court intervention, claiming Sandra had failed to provide the beneficiaries with an annual accounting. To summarize, Havis clearly intended to put Sandra in charge of his estate and to prevent Ashley from exercising any control over it. It is also clear that he wanted to prevent his beneficiaries from fighting over his remaining assets or engaging in litigation. This can be seen from his trustee and executrix designations and from the very broad and expansive language that he placed in his interorum clauses. Ashley's actions, as described above, are not in dispute and are taken directly from the pleading she filed in this lawsuit. We find that her actions, as a matter of law, violated the interorum provisions. End of quote. Judges Abramson, Gladwin, Wood, and Murphy joined in the majority opinion. A dissent written by Judge Barrett and joined in by Chief Judge Harrison, Judge Verdon, and Judge Hickson reasoned, quote, The majority, while admitting that the trust provides the beneficiaries of the subtrust the power to remove the trustee and appoint the successor trustee, argue that Ashley's request to have the power in the future to appoint the successor trustee was an attack on the will and trust that invoked the interorum clause. This holding is logically flawed since paragraph 12th, subparagraph D2, specifically allows the current beneficiaries to remove a trustee who was not specifically designated in the trust agreement. Sandra was not specifically designated to be the trustee of the subtrust. Therefore, she was subject to removal by the beneficiaries. The subtrust provides that if a trustee is removed and there is not a successor designated or such designations fail, then the individuals who at such time could remove such trustee shall have the power to appoint and or nominate a successor by signed written notice delivered to the current beneficiaries. So, naturally, as the mother and legal next of kin to the minor beneficiaries, Ashley utilized this provision in the trust, coupled with Art Code and Section 2873706B, to attempt to remove Sandra as the trustee of the subtrust and to limit her power to appoint or nominate a successor in accordance with the terms of the subtrust. Furthermore, regardless of what the interorum clause says, Art Code and Section 2873 
1008A1 provides that a term of a trust relieving a trustee of liability for breach of trust is unenforceable to the extent that it relieves the trustee of liability for breach of trust committed in bad faith or with reckless indifference to the purposes of the trust or the interests of the beneficiaries. Sandra cannot be relieved of liability for her acts as trustee merely because there is an interorum clause. If she acts in bad faith, reckless indifference, or thwarts the testator's wishes, she is liable. If an interorum clause prevents the beneficiaries from bringing suit against a trustee before the evidence is presented, a trustee would have unfettered power to abuse his or her position, thwart the wishes of the grantor, and illegally deplete the entire trust of property, and there would be nothing anyone could do about it. End of quote. A second dissent, written by Judge Hickson, added, quote, Ashley's argument is simple. Paragraph first of the trust did not grant Sandra the power to serve as successor trustee. Rather, it gave Sandra the power only to appoint a trustee. Paragraph first is silent on whether Sandra can appoint herself to serve as a successor trustee of the subtrust. The same is true for Ashley's second point in which Ashley asks Sandra to account for any funds she spent out of the children's subtrust. Ashley's third point is, regardless of whether Sandra had the power to appoint herself as trustee of the subtrust, her minor children had the right to remove the trustee under paragraph 12 of the trust agreement. This would naturally require the court to construe paragraph 12 of the trust. The majority holds that Ashley did not follow the correct procedure to remove the trustee. Therefore, the interorum clause was triggered and Ashley must forfeit her inheritance. According to the majority, the mere asking for an accounting is forbidden and invokes the interorum clause. The attempt to remove the trustee, if not done according to Hoyle, is forbidden and invokes the interorum clause. In fact, One should ask whether the minor beneficiaries can even attempt to remove a trustee via the correct procedure without invoking the interim clause. End of quote. This dissent was joined by Chief Judge Harrison and Judges Verdon and Barrett. Art Code and Section 2373706, Removal of Trustee, provides A. The settlor, a co-trustee, or a beneficiary may request the court to remove a trustee, or a trustee may be removed by the court on its own initiative. B. A court may remove a trustee if 1. The trustee has committed a serious breach of trust. 2. Lack of cooperation among co-trustees substantially impairs the administration of the trust. 3. Because of unfitness, unwillingness, or persistent failure of the trustee to administer the trust effectively, the court determines that removal of the trustee best serves the interests of the beneficiaries. Or four, there has been a substantial change of circumstances or removal is requested by all of the qualified beneficiaries. The court finds that removal of the trustee best serves the interests of all of the beneficiaries and is not inconsistent with the material purpose of the trust, and a substantial co-trustee or successor trustee is available. C. Pending a final decision on a request to remove a trustee 
or in lieu of or in addition to removing a trustee, the court may order such appropriate relief under Section 2873-1001B as may be necessary to protect the trust property or the interest of the beneficiaries. End of quote. End of decision.